JJ's not letting me play with ball. Grayson's calling me names. Avery won't let me in her room. I'm, I'm telling, telling Mom. You guys are both tattletales. Ugh, sound familiar? Well, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Also, Ginger and I have decided to give you, our listeners, the opportunity to support this podcast as the Lord leads. We've heard from so many of you that God has used this podcast to encourage you in your parenting, and that is exactly what we prayed we would achieve. As we've grown, we have realized that, well, it actually takes money to keep a podcast going. It takes lots of hot dogs to keep Ginger churning out content week after week. (laughs) Yep, I got to have my hot dogs. Jesus and hot dogs, that's what fuels me. (laughs) Somebody please make a Jesus and hot dogs t-shirt for Ginger. We have (laughs) But in all seriousness, we have shared some amazing sponsors with you, and we will continue to do that, Lord willing. But we also want to ask those of you who feel led to give to this podcast as well. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash support to give any amount at all. And let me just add that whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, any amount will be a huge blessing to us and to others. So we very much appreciate your consideration in supporting the podcast in this way. Well, Ginger, I'm eager for us to dive right in and talk about that age-old problem of tailbearing. It happened in the Garden of Eden, and it's happening in homes all around the world, even to this day. In fact, I think that tattling is probably one of the most common and most annoying behavior problems among siblings. But I also think it's overlooked or maybe even excused simply because parents don't know how to deal with it. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about this issue. I think tattling is a pretty common problem too, Katie. It was certainly common with my kids when they were little. And I totally agree that some parents might avoid addressing this issue because they don't know how to deal with it. But I've actually seen parents rationalize their decision to not correct a child who's tattling. They look at it like, well, if my child is doing something that he shouldn't be doing, what difference does it make how I find out? Or Hmm. if one of my kids has been wronged by a sibling, I'd rather him come tell me about it than for them to argue back and forth and fight about it. And these seem to be reasonable arguments for not correcting the tattler, but they're not biblical. Thankfully, God has given us an instruction book, the Bible, that explains how we are to train our children. And yes, he even talks about tattling and more specifically, the heart problem that is most often behind tattling. Ginger, in your book, I can't believe you just said that, you open each chapter with a common scenario that pretty much any parent has more than one child can relate to. So let me just read the opening scenario from the chapter on tattling. David and Brad are playing cars in the family room. While David pushes his red Camaro with T-tops on the Hot Wheels track, Brad decides that throwing the cars at a lamp would be more fun. As mom washes the dishes off in the distance, she hears three of the most annoying words a mother can hear. I'm telling mom, followed by tattletale, tattletale, I'm not playing with you anymore. Charging through the swinging door of the kitchen, the boys come to a screeching halt in front of mom. David directs a smirk towards his fuming brother, then proceeds to present his case before the maternal judge. (laughs) Yep, and that's when all the options for how to handle the issue of tattling starts playing out in the parent's mind. How do you respond? 
Do you thank David for informing you of his brother's wrongdoing? Do you instruct them to put away the cars and play with something else? Or do you separate them until they agree to get along better and play nicely or until they've just forgotten about the whole issue? The problem with all of those options are they fail to reach the heart of the tattler. As wise mamas, we want to look past the outward behavior of the tattler and concern ourselves with the issues of the heart. We want to uproot the weeds of foolishness, plant seeds of righteousness, and teach our children to grow in wisdom. And the only way we can do that is to address it from a biblical perspective. So, Ginger, break it down. All right. Step one, we want to teach the tattler to evaluate his own heart. Now, as parents... We don't have the right to judge the thoughts and motives of our kids, but we can help them to evaluate their own hearts, and we can do that by following the example Jesus set for us in Scripture. When Jesus addressed someone who was sinning, he often asked heart-probing questions. And when we do this with a child who's struggling with tattling, it can help him identify and take ownership for his own motives. Now, this isn't to say that the motive behind tattling is always sinful, and we'll talk a little more about that in just a bit, But when we ask those heart-probing questions nine times out of ten, at least with my kids, one in particular, and I won't name any names, it helped to determine that, yes, the tattling was done with ill intent, which means it was intended to hurt more than help. We want to make sure also that the questions uh, that we asked are asked in such a way that the tattler has to take his focus off of the other person and onto the sin in his own heart. So a good question might be something along the lines of David. Could it be that you are delighting in getting your brother in trouble? What are you hoping will happen to your brother as a result of you informing me of his wrongdoing? Oh, man. That's a tough question for a child to answer. Not because they don't know the answer. Of course, they want to get their sibling in trouble. Uh, But it's just difficult to admit that. And I can picture seven-year-old Katie trying to answer that question. (laughs) And that's just humbling to think about. And it absolutely shifts the focus where it should be, which is the heart of the child doing the tattling. I just love this step, Ginger, because it also puts my focus as the parent where it should be, off of my own anger or irritation or whatever, and onto reaching the hearts of my kids. So it's hard to scream heart-probing questions at my kids. (laughs) Yep, that's right. And that's another great reason why we want to point them to Scripture, because it's also hard to scream the Word of God at them. Having a well-thought-out, Christ-centered plan that we're ready to implement helps us to wisely address these issues, like tattling, with self-control, and in a way that shows love and gentleness and respect to our children, which in turn brings glory to God. Okay, so step one is to ask the tattler a heart-probing question like, Are you delighting in getting your brother or sister in trouble? So what is step two? Step two is... We want to teach the tattler to put off tattling. Ephesians 4.22 says that we are to put off our old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. It's so important that we show the tattler precisely what he is doing wrong in accordance with God's word. So one verse we might refer to is Proverbs 6.19, which talks about the seven things God hates. You might say something like, honey, did you know that one of the seven things God hates is one who causes trouble with his brothers? I love that in our translation, our family uses the ESV Bible. That same verse says this, one who stirs up trouble among brothers. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a great word picture. Mm -hmm. My kids and I have memorized that particular verse, and it makes me shudder when I say it. It's a very powerful thing to think about the things that God hates. It is. Another great verse is Proverbs 17, 5, which says, whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. And the King James Version says, he who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. 
punished. But if you wanted to word it in a way that makes it a little easier for a young child to understand, you might say (laughs) something like, sweetheart, if you are delighting in getting your brother in trouble, then you will get in trouble. And Katie, in our home, the toddler faced the same consequences as the other child. Now, having said that, we know a slew of you are going to write in and ask, (laughs) what should those consequences be? Anytime we mention consequences on the podcast, it never fails. We get lots of questions asking about the specifics of consequences. We've said it before, and we'll say it again. We want to keep the focus of this podcast centered on reaching the hearts of children and pointing them to Christ. We want to help you to identify scriptures that's going to help you address your child's struggle from a biblical perspective. It just wouldn't be wise for us to tell you what specific consequences are appropriate for your child without asking a lot of questions about the dynamics of your family. But the good news is that we never want to leave you hanging in regards to what the Bible has to say about consequences, which is why Ginger thoroughly covers the specifics of consequences in the last four chapters of her book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, and on session three of her audio series, Reaching the Heart of Your Child. And for all of our international listeners out there, that series is available as a digital download, which will save you those outrageous international shipping prices. So you can check out those resources at gingerhubbard.com. Okay, so Ginger, step one is to ask thought-provoking questions to help get to the heart of the matter behind tattling. Step two is to teach the tattler to put off taking delight in getting their sibling in trouble. Uh, Walk us through that final step, which all of our regular listeners will know by now, is what to put on. Yep. So with step three, we want to teach the tattler to put on encouragement. Ephesians 4.24 says that we are to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we don't want to just rebuke the child for tattling and leave it at that. We want to teach him how to replace wrong behavior with right behavior, to put off tattling on his sibling and to put on encouraging his sibling to do what's right. Because if we rebuke the tattling child without providing a means of escape, without teaching him what he could have done instead, that would be exasperating for him. And according to the scripture, when we neglect to train and instruct our children in what's right, it can provoke them to anger. Ephesians 6, 4 warns, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And that is a sobering reminder for us as parents, Ginger, that our lack of instruction can actually exasperate our children. Sometimes I just want to throw up my hands and say, everybody go to their own rooms. (laughs) And maybe that's a good idea for a minute. But the most important part of training our children in righteousness is to encourage them to put on those things that please God. So how do we actually do that? Well, we want to train and instruct him in what he could have done instead. So we might say something like, David, Hebrews 10, 24 says that we are to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So rather than tattling, what could you have said to encourage your brother and spur him on in what's right? Now, hopefully he'll be able to come up with something on his own, maybe uh, something along the lines of, well, mom says we shouldn't throw things in the house and I don't want you to get in trouble, so you better stop. Or Dad says we're not supposed to throw things in the house because someone could get hurt or something might get broken, so you shouldn't do that. Anything along those lines would be fine. But if this is a new concept for the child, then you're probably going to have to offer suggestions for what he could say. Okay, so speak to the parent who has tried and tried to teach this to their (laughs) child, but they still hear, I'm telling mom from the other room. How can we actually get our kids to do what's right in that moment? By teaching the tattler to practice 
what he has learned. When the tattler is required to practice the biblical alternative to a sinful behavior, the training is going to stick better. Role-playing is a great way for the tattler to put what he's learning into practice, which is going to help him uh, become a doer of the Word of God rather than just a hearer. It's also going to equip him to respond biblically to future situations that are similar. So if you want to use role-playing, you could do that by having both children when something happens, just have both children go back to the scene of the crime, which in the opening scenario from the book was in the family room where Brad threw his car. And then you'd want to instruct David to encourage his brother in a gentle, self-controlled voice to stop throwing. And then, of course, require Brad to respond to David, his brother, uh, by thanking him for encouraging him. And it's totally okay for you to put the words in their mouths to help them get the hang of communicating in healthy ways because, you know, typically those things don't come naturally for kids. Exactly. And that's also a helpful tip that you often give to avoid a power struggle, right? So just give them the words to say, because let's be honest, a child who is accustomed to that satisfaction of getting their sibling in trouble isn't going to say, well, sure, mom, let's practice how I can do this in a more God-honoring way. That's just probably not going to happen. (laughs) This is why I also love the idea of role-playing in times when there isn't an active conflict. So the dinner table is a great time to get the whole family involved. Parents could help the kids act out a scenario and hopefully not one, I've, I've done this before, hopefully not a scenario that will put a particular child on the spot. So the idea isn't to embarrass anyone or to do something that recently happened, but uh, to give them the tools they need to solve conflict on their own. Okay, Ginger, I have a situation that some parents might experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, not me or anything, but <laughs> maybe not. someone out there has experienced this. <laughs> Let's say your child does a drive-by tattle and they just casually stroll up and say, hey, mom, what's going on? Oh, that's cool. Hey, I'm pretty sure so-and-so isn't supposed to be throwing stuffed animals at the ceiling fan, right? (laughs) So, and then when confronted with what is clearly a drive-by tattle, Mm -hmm. the child just professes, me? Oh, I wasn't trying to tattle. So how would you handle that situation? Because I recall from our lying episode that we shouldn't press an issue like this if they're unwilling to admit their fault. Isn't that right, Ginger? Basically, we don't say, I know you're tattling and we're going to sit here until you tell me the truth. That's right, Katie. That's probably not a good idea. If you ask those heart probing questions such as, could it be that you are delighting in getting your brother in trouble? And they say something like, no, I'm actually not trying to get him in trouble. I just thought you should know then probably the wisest thing we can do is just to accept that answer at face value, even if we're not 100% convinced that it's true, because we cannot judge the thoughts and motives of our children. And Mm. to accuse a child of lying when in fact he's telling the truth, well, that would be very discouraging to the child. So even if you're not convinced he's being honest about his motives, it's better to err on the side of mercy. But regardless of whether or not he admits fault, he's still pondering that question in his heart. And we can pray that God would convict him of wrong motives and dishonesty. And we can trust God, uh, trust that God is hearing our prayers and working even when we don't always see the evidence. Also, even if they are tattling with wrong motives and they just don't want to admit it, we can still move on to steps two and three and say something like, rather than telling me that your brother is throwing cars, what could you have said to encourage him? I like that. That's a great help, Ginger. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. 
So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, Dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. As a mom, I can't imagine going back to the good old days where parents just sent their teenagers off in a car without a way to call if they you know, get into a fender bender with their insurance agent's daughter. That's a true story, I did that. And as my kids mature, I like the idea of them being able to reach me if something happens. Uh, But I don't like the idea of giving my kids access to the entire World Wide Web of wackadoos. This is why I'm ecstatic to introduce you to our sponsor, Gab Wireless. They are the first smartwatch and smartphone provider to actually do something smart when it comes to our kids. Gab watches and phones look and feel like all the smart devices on the market, but the great thing is that they don't cost more than a mortgage payment, and they're super safe for kids. There's no internet, no apps, no games, no social media, and no contract. Instead, the Gab watches and phones have just the functionality that is safe for kids and nothing more. Gab watches and phones are just $100 and start at $10 per month for service. But for our podcast listeners, Gab has offered $30 off the price of their watches and phones. Just use the code GINGER at checkout to get your Gab watch or Gab phone for just $70. Go to Gab, that's G-A-B-B-Wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout. Again, that's Gab, G-A-B-B-Wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout. I know there are exceptions to tattling, and I know that because I've listened to no fewer than 20 of your seminars, and I've read all your books. I even have an autographed copy of Don't Make Me Count to Three, and I had it before you ever knew me or begged me to be the host on your podcast. So, (laughs) But for our listeners who aren't as big a Ginger fan as I am, can you share when parents should actually encourage their kids to come and tell what their sibling is doing? When is it appropriate for a child to go straight to the parent before trying to work it out with his or her sibling? Mm, Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. For safety reasons, children should always be taught to come directly to mom or dad if another child is endangering himself or endangering someone else. Also, God gives us discernment as parents. We can usually tell the difference between a child who is tattling because he's getting a kick out of getting his sibling in trouble versus (laughs) the child who is coming to us out of genuine concern. Uh, There were quite a few times when my son Wesley told on his sister Alex out of genuine concern. Alex never met a stranger. It was such a challenge to not stifle her love for others while at the same time teaching her that it could be dangerous to be as friendly as she was with strangers all the time. (laughs) We've all heard stories about strangers bribing kids with candy or a puppy to get them in the car with them. Well, with Alex, all they'd have to do is open the door and say, hop in. (laughs) In spite of all my warnings, she probably would have reached in her pocket and said, sure, you want a starburst? 
<laughs> it was a real struggle to convince her that strangers can be dangerous. So I had to watch her like a hawk, and so did her brother. I mean, it's funny, but it's not. But Alex is the only child you would have to tell not to give her candy to strangers. Like she's walking <laughs> yeah. around handing it out to strangers. Yep, that's Alex. We were at the we were in the hospital waiting room one time, waiting to see someone after a surgery. And I told both of the kids to sit down while I was checking in at the desk. And the next thing I knew, Wes was tugging on my shirt saying, Axe. That's what he called her. He, he had a problem pronouncing Alex when he was little, so he always called her Axe. So oh, that's adorable. Yeah, I know. So he tugged on my shirt and pointed over at Alex and said, Axe is sitting in that man's lap, and she doesn't even know him. <laughs> oh, no. And I looked over, and sure enough, Alex had climbed right up on some stranger's lap and had her arm around his neck and was talking his ears off. So oh, I, that happened all no. the time, Katie. So I told Wes to go over and tell her <laughs> uh, to come stand beside me at the desk. And so he ran back over, and I heard him say, Axe. Get out of that man's lap and get back over there with mom right now. <laughs> I could totally so tell that he wasn't trying to get it. It wasn't trying to get her in trouble at all. He was genuinely concerned about her safety. I'm telling you, Wesley spent a lot of years <laughs> running around after Axe trying to keep her from interacting <laughs> with strangers. She kept him busy. I have not heard that story, Ginger. So I don't know. Maybe Alex thought he was Santa or something. <laughs> yeah, but no Santa suit was required for Alex, though. <laughs> <laughs> No, she she called him off duty, I guess. <laughs> she <laughs> recognized him. There you go. Okay, that actually reminds me of a really frightening story that happened to us. We stopped at a gas station. This was only a few years ago. We stopped at a gas station pretty late one night. It's probably around 11 p.m. We were driving from Georgia back to our house at the time in Alabama. And my daughter, Avery, and I went into the ladies' restroom together. And as we were washing our hands, this very friendly woman came over. And she was ooing and aahing over Avery. She was probably seven or eight at the time. And this woman went on and on about, oh, she's so beautiful and she's so sweet. And I honestly thought something was off. Like my my antenna went up, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But it wasn't until the woman unexpectedly leaned down and kissed my child on the cheek in a public bathroom (laughs) that I realized she reeked of alcohol. Mm. So that was a tough lesson in not talking to strangers. Mm. I was standing right there and I couldn't prevent what was happening. But anyway, I've had plenty of conversations with all three of our kids about letting us know immediately if someone makes them feel uncomfortable. That woman made her and me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and we just, we weren't sure what to do. So... I've told them, I don't care if it's another child, a man, or some random lady in a gas station bathroom. Uh, when we have these conversations about not tattling, it's important that we impress on them what is absolutely important to share. Mm-hmm. I would much rather them err on the side of tattling, which you know is sinful, and we don't want that of our kids. But I would rather them think they might be tattling than to not tell me when something makes them uncomfortable. Right. Um, and I think as kids mature, they'll be able to make that distinction a little bit better. But that's also why it's important to handle issues of actual tattling with a calm, measured tone, because we absolutely want them to tell us some things without fear that they'll be berated by mom or dad. Exactly. It's all about having ongoing conversations with our children that they should immediately come to us and tell us when someone or something is making them uncomfortable or if they feel that they or one of their siblings or friends are in danger. We should for sure be having regular conversations with our children uh, about that to ensure their safety. That's right. So Ginger, your three-step plan is so foreign to what the world wants to teach us about parenting. I'm going to refer again to an article from Psychology Today. I've talked about this publication in other episodes, 
mainly because I think they're pretty much the gold standard as far as worldly parenting methods are concerned. While many of their ideas, I mean, they're helpful for behavior modification, it's really clear that reaching a child's heart for the glory of God is nowhere in their mission statement. Um, Anyway, here's what this Psychology Today article has to say about tattling. If we think about tattling as an intermediate step in social development, this suggests a few ways adults could respond. Okay, let's stop right there. Because if tattling was merely a step in the growth and maturity of children and a sign that they're developing cognitively, then why would we need to address it at all? Mm, I mean, do we correct or reprove a child for not being able to eat solid foods or sleep through the night? Of course not. But they consider tattling a developmental step just above hitting. Okay. That just got, that got me excited. Okay, back to the article. <laughs> Here are the suggestions the world will offer for the tattletale. Offer empathy. Simple acknowledgement along the lines of, it bothers you when he does that. Supports and recognizes the self-control that young children show in not hitting a peer. With little ones, you could also ask, do you need a hug? <laughs> like Elf. You look like you yeah. need a hug. Well, <laughs> Hugging's my favorite. So rather than addressing the heart issues associated with the tattling, we offer the child reassurance of his or her sinful behavior and then praise them simply for not hitting another child. I don't disagree that the kid could probably use a hug, (laughs) but that's going to happen after we've addressed the sinful behavior in his own heart and then made it right with anyone else involved in the situation. Ginger, this is why we need God's word, because we live in an upside down world that wants to call good evil and evil good. Mm, Amen to that, sister, which is why we need to look to no other source for parenting our children than the holy and infallible word of God. Worldly psychology says it's all about you. Put yourself Mm -hmm. and your desires above everything and everyone else, and you'll be happy and fulfilled. Follow your heart. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yet somehow the people who live by that philosophy are the most unhappy and unfulfilled people I know. The answer is not found in putting ourselves first. The answer is found in putting Jesus first. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. There's no lasting joy and satisfaction in seeking after the things of this world. The real lasting joy and satisfaction is found in seeking God and receiving the spiritual gifts and blessing that he has in store for us. Matthew 6, says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We do well to seek Jesus in all things and to encourage our children to do the same because our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And anyone or anything else that we put our hope in is sinking sand. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. This is one of my favorite parts of the show because it reminds us that parenting isn't meant to be done alone. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Jordan in Texas, and she writes this. I wanted to share something my husband and I learned from a friend to better serve and love one another without nagging and saying what we did wrong. I like this already. It's three questions we ask each other at the end of each week. Question one, how did I make you feel loved this week? And so her example was when you unloaded the dishwasher without asking or you changed a dirty diaper without even thinking twice. Question two is how can I make you feel loved next week? And her examples were helping me clean up after dinner or I would love it if you planned us a date night. And question three is, is there anything you need to confess to me? Like unconfessed sin. Mm, That's good. And she says, 
Yeah, that's great. She says, those are just my examples. Obviously, I need acts of service, but my husband will say he would like me to initiate more hugs and affection to feel loved. This is a wonderful way to share instead of saying, well, you never unload the dishwasher for me or help me with this and that. (laughs) And then she says, I so love y'all's podcast. Keep up the good work. Well, I so love when our listeners say y'alls in their emails. (laughs) It makes me happy. (laughs) Yep. Jordan in Texas is speaking our language. Yeah, she is. Does she eat corn dogs and go to the fair? I bet she does. <laughs> I hope so. If she's any kind of Southerner, she does. <laughs> Thank you for that awesome tip, Jordan. Imagine how many marriages would thrive if couples just took some time at the end of each week to ask each other these questions. I love mm, that. Me too. And you know what? Why don't we ask those questions of our kids as well? Mm, that's Yeah. Oh, that's I good. I love that idea. Yeah, that's really good. Jordan, I'm going to put that in my next book if that's okay with you. I'll give you the credit. Yes. Those are fantastic. <laughs> yeah. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something to do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We'd love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. All right, Ginger, if you don't leave us with a final word of encouragement, I'm going to tell your mom. <laughs> I, I crack myself up. I do. Yeah, you're your own entertainer. It doesn't take much. It's nice. <laughs> Y'all. Let's keep in mind that children learn by repetition, and every time they struggle with tattling, it gives us a precious opportunity to point them to the life-giving truths of God's Word. So let's be excited about those opportunities and be willing to engage our children in their struggles over and over. And on those tiresome days when we become weary, let's remember Galatians 6, 9, which says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This is a huge help to us to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. So today we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Ginger also offers a free discussion guide for this book on her website, which is great for book clubs and small group studies. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Ginger and I would love to lead a women's event at your church. We offer a one or two day conference as well as a full weekend retreat. If your church might be interested in hosting our women's conference or bringing Ginger in for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. Thanks for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.